If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Woman Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hi, leading ladies. It's Dr. Lisa, your coach, your cheerleader, and biggest supporter in your professional and personal development. Leadership is a journey, and today, as part of our self-care series, I'm talking with Dr. Diane Shannon about moving from striving to thriving. So we know as women physicians that we are challenged with not only showing up as our authentic selves in the workplace, but also balancing home and work, dealing with microaggressions, inequality in the workplace, and pay, and also, unfortunately, at times, misconduct by our male colleagues and discrimination based on gender and race. These challenges and continued stressors can lead to depression, anxiety, PTSD, and also burnout, which is one of the things that we're going to talk with Dr. Shannon about today. Ultimately, this burnout can lead us sometimes to leave the medical field prematurely or even cut our hours down part-time. So today, Dr. Diane, who knows all too well the ups and downs of being a female physician, is going to talk to us about moving from striving to thriving. So I want to introduce our guest, Dr. Diane Shannon. She is a primary care physician who made the hard decision to leave practice and pursue a career in medical writing. For 20 years, Dr. Shannon worked with a nonprofit foundation that sought to improve the healthcare system, focusing attention on clinician burnout, lack of reliability, and patient safety issues. Her own personal experience with burnout and her desire to support physicians motivated her to become a certified coach three years ago. She now helps physicians escape the riptide of work and home, pressures to get clear about what they really want, overcoming barriers, and making changes to vastly improve our personal and professional lives. So without further ado, I am going to introduce to you Dr. Diane. Thank you, Dr. Diane, for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on the Women Physicians Lead podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So I am really, really um, looking forward to this discussion because, as you know, burnout is a huge issue among women physicians. And now more than ever, you know, we are really experiencing, I think, the 
the brunt of, you know, what burnout can really cause and how it shows up, especially with us being involved um, in this pandemic. So some statistics I just want to share. 61% of physicians have reported experiencing burnout in 2021. And this is up from 40% in 2018. So this is a huge, huge jump. And this is according to a small survey that the Physicians Foundation had released back in August. Um, more concerning is that 69% of female physicians reported feeling burnt out compared to 57% of male physicians. And we already know that 40% of women physicians either go part-time or they leave medicine altogether within six years of completing their residency. And burnout is cited as one of those reasons. So it really becomes important for us to you know, really start to talk about burnout, um, what it looks like, and how we can really help women physicians, you know, to sort of hopefully prevent it. But if we do find ourselves in the throes of it to really, you know, sort of come out of it thriving. So just, you know, give us a little bit of background about you know, I read a little bit about your bio, but give us a little bit about your background in terms of your career and your journey to now becoming a certified coach and what was instrumental and maybe who might have been instrumental in helping you make that decision. Sure. Well, Dr. Lisa, it, it's um, there are a number of things that played in um, to my decision to finally become a certified coach at this point. I was in primary care. And I actually loved being a physician. And one of the things that the people that brought me to into my career was my mother, who was a midwife. And I was able to shadow her at times with her patients. And she had an independent birth center, completely natural childbirth, amazing experiences. And I was like, that's what I want. You know, seeing that incredible connection, that healing connection um, between the care provider and the patient or client and the family, the whole family would be there. And um, so I, I went to medical school, I trained in primary care, and I found pretty quickly in the clinical years that it didn't look like what I had hoped it would look like, especially in terms of that relationship being protected, you know, that, that, the, that the healthcare system would surround and protect that healing relationship. In addition, what I saw was a lot of what I now know are patient safety issues. So places where the system is not set up to be automatic to you know, protect patients and also to protect healthcare workers, right? So there were these places where I would see, oh, I know that there's something that could happen, but I couldn't protect all of my patients, right? I, it's too much, right? And so I think, honestly, looking back, that was part of what led to my burnout was just that sense of um, the system is not set up in a way that I think it's going to be reliable and, um, and patients can get hurt. And sometimes that does happen. And we know, you know, from the reports that came out in 2009, I'm sorry, 1999 and 2001, that there are medical errors that happen. And these are not caused by individuals. These are system issues. So with that approach or with that perspective, I did find myself burned out after only three years in primary care. And wow. it took me a while to make the decision to leave because, you know, I, the worst of my burnout was actually in residency, but I didn't see, I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. 
right? Mm. So I finally said, you know, this is just not working and I need to find a life that's going to work for me. And so I did make that transition. I um, moved into healthcare writing. I actually worked at a number of different nonprofits that were all focused on improving the healthcare system. And I learned so much about the system itself and therefore my understanding of what drives burnout really grew. And I was able to work with another physician and write a book in 2016 on preventing physician burnout. And as part of that, what we really saw was how much this is driven by the system. And yes, the individual does play a role and there's a lot individuals can do to mitigate you know, some of the stresses, but really the reality of the situation and the way it's defined. You know, The original researchers who were looking at burnout in professionals defined it as excessive stress in the workplace. Absolutely. I think you hit so many points, you know, um, basically talking about sort of like the origin really of burnout. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, like you said, does come from the workplace. So some people will call it a stressful workplace or toxic workplace or, Mm -hmm. you know, a workplace where you just feel like you can't make a difference. Right. And for us as physicians who, you know, that's really you know, what we do is we help people, right? We solve problems. So when a problem can't be solved, it just creates, I think, more stress. And then that stress starts to mount, especially when, you know, you find that you really can't do much about it, or you feel like you don't have the control to do anything about it, um, can really lead to, yeah, definitely the state of burnout. So I agree with you 100%. Um, so, so for you, you know, being this advocate and being this person now who really is championing, trying to prevent physician burnout, what does that look like for you in terms of what you do now, like your day to day when you're helping your clients and and who are those clients that you're helping and what are you helping them to solve? Yes. So a lot of my advocacy work is, is from writing, you know, the writing that I do, I continue to write. Um, I have a blog where I talk about some of the system issues and then also individual, like where the individual has agency. And in my presentations, that's a lot of what I focus on is that interface because the reality is, yes, it's there are system issues and also there are things that individuals can do that when they take that on and really engage, that can have a huge difference in what their daily life feels like, what their experience is like at work and at home. And I work with physicians, both individually and um, one-on-one. I also work with other healthcare professionals, so midwives and nurse practitioners, um, physician assistants. And since the pandemic, I've really focused more on women physicians. And um, during the pandemic, I spent some of the time interviewing women across the country, women physicians, and asked them about their challenges. And it was really eye-opening in terms of the commonality of experience. And when I shared that back with them, they were, um, they were not surprised and yet they felt validated. Right. You know? And so some of the top challenges that came up were uh, work-life balance. That was a big one. Um, some of the motherhood penalties. So the policies that are in place that actually make it hard to be a parent and a physician, especially a parent of young children. Um, and so those were some of probably the most common uh, challenges that they, that they reported. 
Um, and they had some great, you know, ideas for solutions as well. Um, it, and I just, I was so grateful that they were able to open up and share with me what their life experience was, was really like. Um, and again, there was such a sense of validation and, you know, so many said, I thought it was my fault that I couldn't make this work, right? Mm -hmm. The work-life balance or the juggling everything or the guilt about I'm at work, but I feel guilty I'm not at home and vice versa. And they'd say, I really thought it was my, you know, it was because I wasn't trying hard enough. I wasn't, you know, hadn't found the right combination. But then when they heard like all of these women saying the same thing, um, unfortunately, another, a number of them also shared, um, experiences of sexual harassment, um, assault even. I mean, it really was um, very disturbing to hear how much that is happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that, you know, these stressors, um, unfortunately, sometimes women experience one or more of them. Yes. So just imagine, you know, if you've had to deal with the work-life balance issue, the motherhood issue, you know, then being um, discriminated at work or having to deal with sexual harassment and misconduct. I mean, you know, that's a lot to bear. That's a huge burden to carry. Yes. And then to feel, again, like it's your fault, like, you know, maybe I should have done something differently or maybe I should, you know, to just to feel like that weight on your shoulder, if that it's your fault, you know, just really compounds, I think the issue of burnout. So. Definitely. And that was my experience too. I actually, you know, when I was doing the healthcare writing all those years, I was also carrying the shame about leaving medicine, shame mm -hmm. that I burned out. And it wasn't until I was working with a coach after my divorce who said to me, you know, Diane, why have you never shared your story about this, right? This could help somebody. And my first response was absolutely not. Why would I do that? Right. Right. Time, she helped me to understand and to reframe it for myself, that this was an act of courage to leave something that wasn't working. And I can do a lot more in the world and give more back from where I am now in a healthy, balanced place and a life that's working for me than I could have if I'd continued. Yes. And we are so grateful that you are here and sharing your story because it can help so many women. Um, you know, I, like I was sharing with you earlier, I, I experienced burnout myself as well. Mm -hmm. So I know all too well what it's like to feel, like you said, that shame, like you, you're by yourself, you know, and um, just a feeling sometimes of just not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, like feeling like things are hopeless, like you don't really know what your next step is going to be. So being able to share that you did really cross, you know, those barriers and that you have come out on the other side, mm -hmm. you know, healthy and thriving is wonderful. So when you talk about um, burnout, whether you do that, you know, in your writing or on podcasts, how do you really define it? I think you mentioned, um, you know, it definitely being sort of cultivated in the workplace, mm -hmm. but how do you define burnout? Or how do you get women to see that this is maybe where they are currently, that they may be experiencing burnout? Well, I think it's, it's helpful to differentiate between, you know, we often use the term burnout in a kind of informal way. And then there's the definition of burnout that was, you know, used initially by those researchers back in the 1970s, who were 
beginning to investigate this. And that definition includes three components, emotional exhaustion. So just mm-hmm. being completely spent, like nothing left to, to give. Um, the second is depersonalization. So really feeling a divide between your feelings around work. Um, and what's interesting is that is actually a coping mechanism for dealing with the emotional exhaustion, right? In yep. physicians that can show up as cynicism or kind of treating or thinking about the patient as a case or a number. Um, so it, w- it was really eye-opening for me to, to learn that, that actually that's a way that people cope, right? Mm-hmm, and, and then the, the third component is inefficacy, which is a sense of, you know, kind of no matter what you do, it's not really going to help. And it's like a low valuing or devaluing what you're able to do as a physician. And so that's the technical definition. And that can be helpful. And especially in research, it's important that everybody's talking about the same thing. But I think there's so much on the spectrum between that and not and and thriving. And so we don't want to just say, okay, if you meet this definition, then, you know, do something. There's this whole spectrum of just not being happy with your job or happy with where your life is, right? Like we want to move people into a place where they're actually thriving. And so in some ways, the definition doesn't matter so much. It's more, well, how are you doing? How is it working for you? Do you look forward to getting up in the morning and, and what your day looks like? Or do you meet it with dread? You know? That is so powerful, um, Dr. Diane. And I agree with you 100%. Um, <clears throat> I know that for me, that emotional exhaustion piece was, oh my goodness, I could just remember just this overwhelming sense of fatigue that at first you start to question, is it your physical health? Like, you know, what's going on? And it really is. It's an emotional exhaustion, which is different from j- fatigue. You just don't have it to give. Um, yeah. And, and I think as physicians, a lot of times, you know, we think if we work a little harder, if we work longer, that we're going to beat the fatigue, like somehow we're just going to catch up to it, or it's going to, you know, eventually get better over time. And that's really not the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I like what you said also about the spectrum, because I do think that, you know, people kind of teeter somewhere along, you know, the spectrum of being burnt out, like you said, to really thriving. And we want to just move people along and get them Mm -hmm. to the point where they do get to that happy ending, you know, like there is a happy ending. So we want to make sure that you, that you get there. So thank you for sharing that. I think that really is going to help a lot of people to understand you know, burnout and sort of where they are and where they need to eventually get to. Yes. Yeah. Um, So when you look at then burnout in terms of um, things that we can actually, you know, do about it, there's a lot of talk around, you know, from an individual perspective, right? Self-care, the things that we can do to sort of help ourselves to overcome burnout. Um, We know that there are system issues and we know that those are still exist and they have to be addressed. But for individuals, you know, what can we do in terms of um, self-care? Like, what does that look like for someone who might be experiencing burnout, um, especially for, you know, women in, in, in health care? Yeah. Well, I think I, it's really important to start a little bit back before that, which is 
kind of what does your life look like now? What do you value? Like, what are the pieces of your life that you really value? And how are you prioritizing those? And the, and the pieces of your life that you value, number one, and also they're foundational to your feeling like your well is full. And so if that is time with your kids, or if it is running, or if it is you know, your spiritual life, your relationship with your spouse or partner, knowing that, and then clearly seeing that there are trade-offs. There are always trade-offs because we have finite energy and time. And so it's really bringing that to the awareness of, well, okay, where are you choosing to spend your time? And often when you become aware of that and that becomes more intentional, you can begin to say no to things and set some prior, you know, prioritized or protected time for yourself, for those things that are most foundational. And that's different for each person. For some people, it's, I have to get enough sleep. For somebody else, it's, I need to run, right? Mm-hmm. Or I need to take an exercise class, or right. I need to you know, spend time with my kid reading at bedtime. So really knowing what those are. And then I think that's so important because the boundary setting and saying no to things is not easy, right? Whether that's the committee that you were just invited to join at work, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> or it's the extra activity for your kid that might just push you over the edge, you know, like just be too much. So wherever it is, it's not easy, but it's easier if you know what your priorities are and you're, you're really seeing that trade-off. I am saying no to this because this over here is really important to me. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And um, I agree with you 100% in terms of, you know, self-care being um, individual, individualized. It should be individualized because what's important to me may not be important to you. What I value, you may not value. So definitely it becomes important for us to make sure that we are um, choosing correctly and we're choosing those things that, you know, bring us joy and help us to eventually move along that spectrum and get to the, the happy place. Right. Yeah. So, so that's great. Um, so, you know, as we look at burnout in terms of women physicians, and obviously we talked about the statistics, we talked about, um, the percentage of women experiencing burnout. But what really I think is um, heartbreaking is that we're leaving medicine, right? So we're leaving, the numbers are probably even higher now. When I look back at that study, it was 40%, but it might be even higher now, especially since we are you know, dealing right now um, with the pandemic. But um, so, so it's really heartbreaking, you know, that women are leaving medicine early, um, or, you know, just going part-time or leaving medicine altogether. So it's really leaving a hole of really diverse, talented, you know, women who could really be helping and serving their communities. So what do you think it it takes for us to be able to turn that around, you know, to be able to start to create an environment where women feel like they can stay, or at least that they feel like, you know, they're, values matter, that, you know, their priorities matter and organizations can start to sort of support women in that. Yeah. 
So first I'll talk from the organization standpoint, like what organizations need to do. And I think the first thing is they have to want to do that. And some of that might come from understanding the return on the investment. Absolutely. And and you know what? As we are becoming more and more of the medical student population and moving through into practice, there are going to be more and more of us. And we know that there's a physician shortage coming. Yes. In some places, it's already here. Organizations can't afford not to retain women physicians. So that's one. In -hmm. terms of what they should do, really, they need to begin by with a paradigm shift, which is instead of kind of this sink or swim mentality, which I, in my opinion, which is what I've seen, is really to ask the question, what do we need to do to retain women physicians? And part of that is to go and ask them, right? What do you need? So it can be things that are, one of the things that came up so much in in the interviews that I did was support around uh, lactation when returning to work. Mm. Meaning not just a lactation room room. in the basement of the hospital where you can't get right in time, um, but actually having more support than that. And, you know, there's organizations now where they are giving paid breaks for women to go and, and to pump and come back um, so that they're not losing their RVUs mm. to be able to care for their family. And if you think about it, uh, I love this example that someone told me about, you know, you have a two career couple, a two MD couple, and they have a child. They and you know, they're back at work after leave. The male physician has just gone off, you know, he's to have his regular day, whereas the mother is losing time to go pump. She's getting late in clinic, right? So she's getting dinged by like, you know, whoever is in charge of the timing and her charts being finished and her patients are upset because she's late, right? So she's got more charts to do at the end of the day, whereas his life hasn't changed. So if you think of it that way and think about for this short period of time, relatively short in her career, if her organization supported her in a way that allowed her to more easily go through that transition of being a parent of young children, you know, that makes total sense when you think of it that way. But it's also a longer term investment, which often I think organizations are thinking for the next quarter not for the next two years or five years. So that's another part of the paradigm shift. So really, you know, one of the best ways to do this is to shadow a physician, right? And whether that's a male physician or female, like going with them, sitting, seeing what their day looks like, that's what leaders can do to then be able to go back and plan interventions and changes in policy, and maybe even go to the board and present some of this to get some of those changes that would make life more doable for all clinicians. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I think at the end of the day, what we're really saying is that physicians just need to have their voices heard, right? So um, it's not enough just to kind of ask the question and just say, here, you know, we gave it to you. You really need to hear um 
you really need to hear the physician talk about what it is that they need and what it is that they want and really have them be able to be a part of actually the solution as well, right? Exactly. Ask for my opinion, my input on how, you know, it's best to serve me in terms of lactation. How is it best to serve me in terms of time off so I can be a better physician to my patients? So that, that becomes really important. I agree. Yes. So what three tips can you give our listeners um, in terms of how they can start our women physicians, how they can start moving from a position of striving to thriving? Well, one of them is based on something I said before, which is really to make those trade-offs more visible to themselves because we make them every day. And the question is, are you making them in a way that supports you and serves you and your patients and all that you do, all the roles that you have? Um, And to really remember, we all do better when we're working from a full well. So self-care is not selfish. It's actually recharging to be able to continue to give. Um, I think it's really important for women physicians to be able to connect with other women physicians, to know that they are not doing it wrong. They, you know, they're doing it right. And it's, and it's a challenge. And, um, and by raising their voices together, they can have more of an impact. And lastly, I think it's really about having the courage to model your values at work. Mm, So if that means taking your vacation or if it means, you know, being truly off on the weekends without access um, to do that. Yes. Let's talk about number three for a little bit, please, because, <laughs> you know, I have run into this even with my own um, clients that I coach as well. And it's like there's this fear of, you know, showing up as either not committed or that you're, not going to be looked at as um, contributing 100% or as a team player if you take time off. And I think we have to start changing that mindset because taking time off is important. And, it, and it, unless you, you know, we start to, like you said, model our values, we don't then teach people how to treat us. Exactly. And the truth, I was going to say, the truth is that all physicians, all clinicians need time off. Absolutely. Right? And so we're modeling this for others in the organization. And it's, and it's especially important to change the culture. That is how we change the culture. Yes. Um, and I think there are specific things that you can advocate for. I mean, one of, I know there's an organization that rethought their uh, compensation package or their uh, calculation so that it was based not on 52 weeks, but on 48 weeks, which mm. meant that it was building in time for vacation. Yes. So you weren't losing RVUs if you took your vacation. So I think right. there, there are ways of, you know, the organization can also support this culture change. That's one way. And it's also having leaders kind of be obvious about taking, you know, vacation, taking time off, being off. Um, I know one leader, a woman physician who um, 
in her email signature says, if you are reading this email and it's your time off, don't respond. Go and do what you, you know, go and take care of yourself. I'm giving you permission. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So being in a leadership position, she is modeling. Right. What she's doing and what um, others can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that those are some really good tips. And I'm just going to um, just mention them again. So the first is um, to make sure that your trade-offs are visible. Mm-hmm. The second is to make sure that you're connecting right with other women physicians because it becomes important for you to realize that you're not alone and yeah. you can get, get garner support from others um, who may be experiencing the same thing. And then the third is to make sure that you are um, that you have the courage, you know, in terms of modeling your values at work, which right. to me just really just sent off, you know a light bulb in my head because I think that's just one of the things that we sometimes um, don't do. Yeah. Yeah. So love those three tips, um, Dr. Diane. Thank you so much. So this has been a wonderful, wonderful um, podcast interview. Um, really excited that I had a chance to talk to you about this important topic. So um, I think it's going to help a lot of women, you know, especially again, since we are Again, in the throes of this, you know, pandemic, a lot of our, our women physicians are on the front lines. And I just can't imagine, you know, the, the stress right now that they're feeling having to go through this, this period again. So I think this is definitely going to, to help them. So thank you again. Thank you, Dr. Lisa. Yes. So tell our audience um, where they can find you if you want to just share a gift with the audience at this time and also just, you know, tell them where they can find you. Yes. Great. I want to mention first that the white paper that I wrote on the challenges that women physicians face is available to download on my website, which is dianeshannon.com. I'm also available or I'm also on LinkedIn, most active on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. And I forget what the other question was. We're on social media. So you said LinkedIn. Do you have a... Okay. LinkedIn is where they can find you. Okay. Great. Diane Shannon. Wonderful. Wonderful. Sorry. One more thing. I do want to mention I, as a, as a free gift, I offer a 30 minute um, complimentary coaching session where women can dive in and see, you know, where are they now? What's going on? What would they like to be different? And to begin to notice what is the gap between where they are and where they want to be and a few strategies to start making that change. And the sign up for that is also available on my website. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And I look forward to obviously, you know, speaking with you and us, you know, working together in the future. So thank you again and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Dr. Lisa. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, 
hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.